Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. I'm recording this episode on June 26th of 2019. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about about further algorithm updates. Google has been really, really active in making changes in the last few weeks. And so we'll talk briefly uh, about um, what we think is going on with these changes and a little bit about what we're seeing in terms of sites that are seeing recoveries, uh, sites that are getting hit as well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Merkel situation. This is a natural medicine site that saw drops. Um, those of you who are newsletter subscribers, which you can reach at mariehaines.com slash newsletter, the free version of our newsletter has a little bit of detail about this. Uh, there's a whole bunch more detail, though, in the paid version. And we're going to start doing this a little bit more, uh, adding a little bit more value to those who have been paid subscribers for us. So thank you if you are a paid subscriber. Uh, we're really working on making it so that it's very, very much worth your while um, and uh, giving you as much information uh, on algorithm updates and SEO tips and things that you can use to improve um, to reward the people who are paying us each week for, uh, for giving you this information. So um, I've just come back from a really cool weekend uh, where I went back to my 20-year reunion from graduating from veterinary college. Uh, it was pretty cool. You know, not everybody was practicing veterinary medicine just like uh, myself. I haven't practiced it practiced in seven years now. Um, and so I did some tours of, uh, you know, some of my classmates uh, practices. And while, you know, a lot of these people are doing incredibly well, and I'm so uh, thrilled to, uh, to see that. And uh, so anyways, um, it was cool to be away. Uh, with that said, though, it's pretty rare that I go away and I completely shut off from the internet. Um, and <laughs> when it does happen, it's guaranteed that Google does something. The last time I think that I completely shut off from the internet uh, while going away was uh, when Penguin 4.0 came out. And we had been waiting for two years for this to happen. And uh, and then I was away. Um, these changes that happened in the last week are not nearly as huge as Penguin, uh, as far as we can see, but still significant. So let's jump right in. In and talk about this. We know that there was a big algorithm update on June 3rd of 2019. This was pre-announced by Google. It was Danny Sullivan from Google who uh, tweeted that, yes, there was an upcoming change. And if you have not seen our post on the June 3rd update, um, you know, you can find it pretty easily by Googling uh, June 3rd Google algorithm update. And, um, and we wrote a whole bunch of things on what we feel uh, were a part of this algorithm update. Um, I'm not going to recap all those because we talked about it last week. You can find last week's episode. And again, if you're a paid subscriber, you've got all of this information in newsletter. But since then, there have been some changes that seem relatively significant. Um, you know, not as big as June 3rd, but on June 17th to 18th, I've heard some people say 19th as well. And then also on June 23rd to 24th, so really like the week between June 17th and 24th, there were a number of our clients who saw significant changes in their Google organic traffic at that time. And so what we think is happening here is that Google is just making tweaks to whatever changes they made on June 3rd. Um, we're fairly certain that uh, you know, June 3rd had a lot to do with Google's ability to assess trust for pages, for websites. Uh, and there were certain factors um, such as uh, a lot of health related factors that were considered. Um, and so if you're seeing drops, you know, obviously there can be many, many factors and it might not even be related to trust. Um, you know, I think sometimes 
I've always warned my staff, you know, let's let's be careful not to just err on the side of trying to explain everything with EAT. Um, but as much as we try, when we look at sites that we've seen that have been affected by significant algorithm updates, we can always find stuff that's in the quality raters guidelines that can, um, you know, maybe explain why these sites are seeing drops. And in a good number of cases, we can actually remedy those changes, those drops that are, are happening um, by adding more elements of trust. Uh, and if you you're new to listening to podcast, uh, I have a really thorough article at mariehaines.com slash trust where uh, it outlines a, a bunch of things that are in the quality raters guidelines that we think Google is trying to assess in terms of determining what a trustworthy website is. Uh, I wanted to talk a bit about um, what we're seeing with these tweaks. So when I talk about a tweak, I really have this picture that uh, the algorithm is a bunch of dials. I don't think it's, you know, physically dials, but uh, there are a bunch of weighted uh, factors in there. I mean, we know that getting a good link can help improve your rankings. We know that there are things like page speed can play a role in uh, rankings. But we think, you know, page speed probably doesn't have as heavy a weight as uh, getting a high-quality link would. Um, and so there are things in Google's algorithms that are probably weighted very differently. And we feel like EAT, that each of those elements, expertise, authoritativeness, trust, they get weighted as well. And if you get either a negative score or maybe even a decimal version of a score, uh, so you know instead of multiplying something by two, you're multiplying it by 0.2, and I'm making these numbers up completely, um, that that can greatly impact your ability to be seen as a trustworthy website by Google, um, especially you know if you're lacking in T, the trust in EAT. So a lot of people have pointed out to me that Mercola.com is seeing significant drops. I don't know a whole lot about Mercola. I know they've come up in some competitive uh, reviews that we have done. Mercola, as far as I can see, uh, talks a lot about natural medicine. And when we look at the site, the, the thing that people are telling me is, well, Dr. Mercola is really known as an authority in his space. Um, and it's true. I mean, he's quoted all over the place. He's had expertise that goes back many, many years. And when you look at his health articles, they do appear to be scientifically referenced. This is one of the things uh, that we recommend in terms of trust, uh, that every time they've mentioned, you know, well, not every time, but a number of times where they've mentioned that, you know, this particular herb perhaps has been, um, you know, there's evidence that shows that it could help fight inflammation. Uh, and so they reference the scientific studies and that's really good. That's an element of trust. So why did this site see massive drops? Now I've seen some theories online that perhaps they have issues with their AMP URLs, um, but that really shouldn't impact uh, organic rankings. Yeah, I really can't see that being the whole issue. Um, but there are definitely issues with trust here. And what I think uh, Google has done with these latest changes starting June 3rd and extending into just last week are that... Um, they've found ways to determine whether medical articles are in line with scientific consensus. And I know that this is really a scary thing because... Um, you know, how is it up to Google to decide that, uh, you know, just because 
a lot of doctors don't believe that a particular uh, thing is possible or, you know, a particular herb can potentially treat something, does that make it true? Uh, and I can understand, you know, if Google's trying to write an algorithm to protect people from quack science, that's a tricky thing. Now, I am not saying that Dr. Mercola is quack science. I have not put enough investigation into this. I think, you know, we have read some stuff around the web about uh, people complaining that it's a little bit sensational. And I think it's possible that Google picks up on sentiment around the web. Um, but I think what's most important to look at here is Amit Singhal's 23 questions about Panda. These are old now. They're many, many years old, uh, but they're still very relevant. And even just recently, John Mueller uh, came out uh, saying um, they're still very, very relevant and you should be looking at them. And so there's a couple of questions from these 23 questions that really, I think, describe the Mercola situation. Um, one of them is, does this article tell both sides of the story? And the second one is, does this article provide a complete or comprehensive description of the topic? Um, the other thing is if we look in Google's quality raters guidelines, the quality raters when they're assessing medical content are told this. It says high EAT information pages on scientific topics should be produced by people or organizations with appropriate scientific expertise. And here's the important part and represent well-established scientific consensus on issues where such consensus exists. So we spent just a little bit of time looking through some of the content on Dr. Mercola's site. And um, I specifically looked for essential oil content. And the reason why I did that is that we noticed that a lot of sites that uh, promote essential oils as a treatment um, saw drops with uh, June algorithm changes. So I'm not here to say whether essential oils are good, whether they're bad. But what we noticed when we looked at the Dr. Mercola site was that there was, um, for example, there was an article about using oregano oil uh, to treat infections. And there were links to scientific articles that really support the fact that oregano oil has some antibacterial properties. Um, with that said, though, if I went to my doctor and I had some type of infection that they wanted to treat with antibiotics, it's very unlikely that a scientific uh, that a um, a general practitioner is going to say, you know, forget antibiotics, just use this oregano oil. So I'm not saying that oregano oil doesn't work. I think you know, uh, I think there's evidence to show that it can really help. But the way that the article was presented from Mercola.com is that it's kind of you know, let's get rid of our antibiotics, let's uh, just treat everything with oregano oil. It doesn't say that exactly, but this is how I believe some people are interpreting it. The other thing that I think is really important is that not only are they saying, hey, oregano oil is amazing and, uh, you know, they haven't presented both sides of the story. They haven't said, well, a traditional physician, you know, may have issues with it because of this, this and this. But I think that one of the issues is that there uh, is a heavy sales element on these pages. Um, some of the sites that we saw drop that were in the natural medicine space, it was like they were shouting out, hey, carrots cure cancer. And by the way, we sell carrots. Um, and I think you can understand what I'm saying here is, uh, and I don't think that Dr. Mercola, again, is making these outlandish claims, but they're not presenting both sides of the story. So if you have a natural medicine site and you're selling things like essential oils, um, you know, uh, natural fertility treatments or um, things like this. You know, we see all sorts of sites that uh, are trying to promote these ways of uh, circumventing natural medicine and using other things. I 
think that one of the keys in ranking better is to actually present a balanced case. Um, and so a lot of these natural medicine sites kind of come out as if they're saying, oh, doctors are all awful. You know, they're just trying to make money. Their pockets are lined by big pharma. Um, if that's the type of tone that you have on your site, it's possible that Google will not want to rank you well. Uh, and so, um, you know, we could go into, I could probably talk for the next six hours on things that you can do to improve that trust level. Um, that's something that we include in our reports. So if you're interested in having a site review, uh, that's something where we can give you very specific uh, information saying, look, you have information on this page but if you added this and you changed these words uh, and you you know added this element that can help improve uh, not only Google's perception of trust but also users perception of trust as well um, I think uh that's all we'll do to talk about the latest algorithm tweaks. Um, you know, we saw uh, a number of our e-commerce sites that saw nice gains on June 3rd, saw further gains uh, on either, you know, between June 17th and June 24th. And so I think Google probably tweaked the dial on brand authority. It seems that all of the sites that saw big improvements were sites that already had good brand recognition. Um, and so, you know, we, we're still putting together data. Uh, we're still working through a big backlog of sites that have come to us for site reviews. Uh, and so usually, you know, a month or two after an algorithm update, we'll have even more information on what types of things were affected because we've had a chance to look into um, uh, specific sites more in more detail. I think we'll move on here to some of the more important uh, things that you need to know in terms of Google announcements. There's um, a new feature in Search Console uh, for testing URLs. Uh, so things like AMP pages, rich results, um, you can actually search from within Search Console now and search the code and you can make tweaks to it. So if you have code that perhaps is um, for structured data on your page and you want to see like, oh, what happens if I change it to this? You can test that from right within Search Console. So that's kind of cool. There was a Google blog post just this week uh, about how Chrome is taking more steps to protect people from deception. This is really a big thing that seems to be on Google's radar. And I know some of you are saying, well, wait, there's a lot of stuff they're doing wrong. Um, because I mean, in terms of Google My Business reviews, uh, there's still a lot of really spammy stuff that's happening there. But baby steps, right? So Chrome... Um, uh, now, they're inviting us to install a Chrome extension, and what it is is uh, an ability to report to Google any site that you think is suspicious. So, um, and I, I don't want you to go installing this Chrome extension and just reporting all of your competitors. Uh, I think Google has, they've learned over the years um, how to know which types of spam reports to uh, pay attention to. If you're just spamming and reporting your competitors, it's just going to get ignored. It's not going to do anything. But if you do come across a site that appears to be phishing or wants you to download malware or something like that, that's the type of thing that you can report using this browser extension. Of course, the um, cynical part of me is thinking back to the days where Google gave us the toolbar page rank, not quite a Chrome extension because Chrome wasn't around in those days. Um, but same sort of thing, right? We install this thing and then we give Google a ton of 
data uh, back. So I don't know whether installing the extension um, gives Doodle, Google more um, uh, data about your browsing history. I think they already know that anyways. Maybe I should just take off the tinfoil hat. Um, the other thing that this Chrome uh, change is going to do is they're going to try to make it so that they can identify confusing URLs. And what they said by that is, for example, if you were trying to go to google.com, but you went to go0gle.com, um, which looks very similar, uh, but obviously is not the same URL, Chrome should now be able to pick up that, hey, they normally go to google.com and this isn't right um, and looks like it could be some type of a malicious attempt at um, tricking people and you'll apparently get some type of warning. I think that this is important for us to pay attention to because some of you may actually have websites that are very close variations of other uh, URLs. Um, and, you know, actually, just as I'm saying this, this reminds me of several months ago where we saw sites like there was a site that was um, DMV dot something and IRS dot com, I think, rather than dot gov or it was dot org. Um, but there were sites that could confuse people because people who were trying to go to the actual official organization were ending up on these, um, you know, private company sites. And this could be part of what's happening here that. Um, so I think that's something we're going to consider in uh, sites that have seen traffic drops is whether uh, Google is getting better at figuring out if you are um, an authoritative official organization or not. Uh, Dr. Pete had an interesting uh, observation about knowledge panels. Um, he found, and I, you know, I don't usually say in podcast stuff about SERP changes. There's tons of stuff in newsletter about that. If you're thinking, uh, you know, hey, we saw these weird featured snippets, and I don't know if that's normal. Usually, we've covered it in newsletter. Um, these ones are like featured snippets that appear where we're used to seeing the knowledge panel. So on desktop, on the right hand side of your screen, uh, and they look like a hybrid between a knowledge panel and a featured snippet. So right now, Dr. Pete is seeing in his data, he's seeing that uh, maybe two to 3% of all the search results have this. Um, I think we'll pay attention to that because that's the type of thing that I think could steal traffic from a lot of websites. Or if we can figure out how to get into these, um, and who knows, uh, that's funny, get into these I was going to talk about entities, getting into these entities. <laughs> um, I think it's probably connected to entities. And I think that Google can determine whether an entity is known as an authoritative entity. Uh, and so this probably all comes back to EAT. Um, so we're going to keep an eye on those and see if there's a way that we can sort of encourage Google to uh, consider us more of an authority, consider businesses that we work with more authoritative. Um, probably, though, it all comes down to links and mentions on authoritative sites. And I think a huge part of um, how Google determines authority is just, you know, are other experts talking about you or your client as an expert in your industry? I thought this was an interesting question on Twitter. Um, Joy Hawkins asked John Mueller about if somebody clicks on a drop down in the search results, say, for example, to expand FAQ schema, does that count as a click in Search Console? The answer is no. So John said that a click only counts when somebody actually visits your site. So that's interesting, right? I mean, there's a lot of discussion as to whether if you win FAQ positions, people also ask positions, whether you actually get more traffic or less. And I think it's query dependent um, and it's the type of thing that you need to be testing. 
Um, let's see here. I really liked this tweet by Ryan Muse uh, that we included in newsletter talking about winning featured snippets. And uh, he described their process for winning featured snippets. And actually, uh, you'll see in newsletter, his tweet shows, you know, the moment they won these featured snippets, their impressions and their clicks went up dramatically. Um, and he didn't say exactly what area the featured snippets were in. Um, but here's his uh, tweet that talks about what they did. So he said, They went after high search volume keywords that already ranked on page one, but didn't own the featured snippet. Then they incorporated keywords into the header tags, so the H tags, started content below the header tags with two descriptive, to-the-point, keyword-rich sentences. And that's what we always advise. If you're trying to win a featured snippet, make really good use of your H tags, um, and then make sure that the first couple of sentences in your paragraph are ones that would make sense to be in a featured snippet. Um, and often we'll find that just tweaking even the position of certain words can help us pop into that featured snippet. Um, it's not, and, and the featured snippet algorithm changes dramatically uh, all the time, um, you know, because Google is trying to figure out what's the best way to present people with content. But, um, but yeah, so those are kind of cool tips if you're trying to win more featured snippets. Somebody asked John Mueller uh, about whether all links to your website appear in Search Console. I get asked this a lot. Um, A lot of people don't understand that if you disavow a link in Google's disavow tool, it doesn't change the fact that it still displays in Search Console. Um, So disavowing a link will not remove it from Search Console for you. Similarly, if a link is no followed, it will still be in Search Console. It's not like Search Console just shows you the links that are passing PageRank. Um, and so that's an important thing to know. Uh, you know, I think most of you probably know that, but I get asked that every couple of months or so. You know, I disavowed this link and it's still being seen in Search Console. How can I know it was disavowed? Um, you know, I would love that Google would, I, I wish they had a column in Search Console that basically said whether a particular link was being disavowed by them. I think that would solve a lot of problems where, you know, we see all the time people upload a disavow file incorrectly. Um, For example, uh, we've seen sites where they've uploaded their disavow to a non-canonical version. Um, So for example, if your website was HTTPS and you upload your disavow file to HTTP, but not HTTPS, we don't know if those links are actually disavowed. So if Google showed those in Search Console and just had a column saying which ones are being actively ignored by Google, I think that would be incredibly helpful. Uh, Maybe that's something I'll suggest to John at some point. Um, Another uh, question here about um, link penalties or about penalties. So penalties, this is actually an interesting point. I, I was in a court case a few years ago as an expert witness and one of the issues that we were discussing was whether a manual action was actually a penalty. Uh, And, you know, we can get into semantics here, but in most cases, they have some sort of a punitive effect. I still like to kind of call them manual actions uh, more than penalties, just because they're, uh, just because. Um, So (sighs) the question was whether link, uh, whether penalties have, uh, always have a manual reviewer. Um, and what John Mueller said was that some manual actions are actually reviewed automatically. Um, and so uh, an example would be security issues. Uh, and so he said some of the security issues uh, do have large automatic component, recrawl and check if it's okay. That makes them much faster to be processed. I have a theory 
This is a theory about link penalties. If you have an unnatural links penalty, um, I believe that Google, the web spam team, probably has some sort of a dashboard that says, here's you know an example of some of the links that we think are causing problems here or are unnatural links. And I do think that there's a programmatic check where they can just quickly go out and say, okay, we've identified, you know, I don't know how many, 10, 100, who knows how many links that we've identified as unnatural links. And then they can programmatically just go and figure out like, are those links all still there? Do they all still have keyword anchor text? Um, have any of them been removed? Have any of them had a nofollow added to them? Uh, and that way they can quickly see whether a site owner has made drastic changes in order to remove a link-related penalty. Um, and then it goes to uh, a web spam team member. I think it's even possible that there are different levels of web spam team members. I feel like when in the days when we were doing tons of manual actions, it was like we would, you know, we'd get a very quick response in our first couple of attempts. And then when we got to the point where, uh, you know, we were pretty much ready to uh, get the penalty removed. And, and sometimes we would do, you know, incremental attempts because we weren't sure exactly which types of links were Google was looking at. Um, and then and then all of a sudden, you know, instead of waiting for two days to hear a response back, it would be like two weeks. And I would tell my clients, this is a good sign because I think this means that we've moved on to, the senior web spam team, um, you know, having a good look. And in most cases, when we had had to wait a couple more weeks, we almost always got the penalty lifted. Um, so uh, interesting, right? I mean, I do think that in terms of manual actions for unnatural links, thin content, uh, things like that, uh, there most of the review is manually done is, uh, is my thought, but I don't have 100% proof on that. Um, I thought this was really an interesting story that uh, Joe Youngblood uh, tweeted about that apparently in Australia, a judge has ruled that media companies are liable for comments left by their readers. Um, and there's a whole very sad story about somebody who was had a news story written about them. And then in the comments, people were commenting very bad uh, things to defame his character. Um, and so he sued, uh, uh, I think, I don't know if it was Facebook or what social media uh, or maybe it's the company itself. I think it was probably the company itself. Um, and so this sort of emphasizes the point of being able to moderate your comments. My concern when I read this is that I think that a lot of sites are going to be so terrified of litigation that they'll just remove comments from their websites. I would encourage you not to do that. If you have comments on your website... Gary Ish has said in the past that it's truly a ranking factor if Google sees that there's a thriving community, um, if Google sees that the comments have loads of good information, that people are engaging with the comments, this can be a, a ranking factor and it can be a good thing. Conversely, if comments um, you know, are adding a bunch of junk to your page and you're just allowing anybody to post a comment and maybe you're posting links uh, you know, as spammers are trying to post comments, that can add as a negative to your page. Um, so comments can be important. Uh, and so comments often are a way to differentiate. You know, if, you have, if you've written an article on a topic that many other people have covered, but yet you have this discussion that people really want to read, that can be a sign of high quality that could push you up. Um, we've seen it in terms of, of rankings. So 
so don't rush to get rid of your comments, but do spend time moderating comments. I mean, if you have left a comment on our site, uh, I'm still the one who answers all of the comments on our site, and I get a little bit behind on that. And the reason being is that I don't auto-publish my comments. I want to read each one um, to make sure that I'm not publishing spam. Uh, you know, we have people who leave comments whose name is NFL jerseys in China. Um, you know, very clearly they're trying to spam. And so you don't want to have those types of comments on your site for sure. Uh, a little bit of news in the local space. If you are doing SEO for um, any attorney that does work with sex crimes, those uh, queries, if anybody searched for, you know, if somebody was work looking for uh, a criminal attorney to defend them in some type of a sex crime case, those uh, results got completely removed from Google several months ago, I believe, maybe even a year ago. Um, and apparently some of those are coming back now. Uh, so I know that doesn't apply to many people, but but um, that's, it's good to see that, you know, I think it sounds like Google probably removed them because um, whatever was in the algorithm was allowing a lot of spam to surface. Uh, and so they've found ways probably to assess trust and to determine. Uh, but mind you, you know, there are examples out there again of people spamming. So who knows how long this will stay. I know Joy Hawkins commented on uh, her forum that it's really unusual that Google decides to remove a category and then bring it back again. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on that space if that's something that um, is important to your clients. Um, let's see what else we can cover here. There's some interesting information on uh, capturing short names in Google My Business. To be honest, I have not looked into this in great detail, but from what it sounds like is you can generate a short link to get clients to your Google My Business profile. Sounds to me like it would be a good way to say, hey, leave a review on our website. I mean, we currently, <laughs> for for some of our clients, we'll say, you know, hey, ask your, um, your customers to leave a review and take a screenshot of, uh, you know, tell them to search for your business and take a screenshot and show... Uh, where they click on website and then where they click on reviews, it would be much easier to just say, follow this link and leave us a review. So that's that's kind of cool. We got to figure out what we want our short name to be for our Google My Business. Um, there's a lot of pressure, you know, to, to do that. Um, still with Google My Business, uh, they mentioned that there is a bit of a delay, a bit of a backlog. Um, they recently made it so that it's much easier to get information from Google My Business. If you want to report a problem, you can tweet at them. Uh, they have a Twitter account, uh, and you can follow them, um, or sorry, send them a direct message, and uh, they'll generally respond within a few days, but it seems like they have a backlog now. So if you've been waiting for Google My Business to respond, there's about a two to three-week delay at this point. There's also, according to Joy Hawkins, um, some type of a bug in Google My Business Q&A uh, where it's getting difficult for a business owner to respond. Uh, apparently, if you're responding um, to Q&A in Google My Business, it should say, here's a response coming from the owner, um, but instead it puts the individual's name instead of the owner. Uh, so if you're noticing that, that is a bug and hopefully that'll be fixed. So I'd like to move on to Q&A. If you are a listener or a newsletter reader and you have a question for me or my team, then feel free to jump in a newsletter. We have a link to a Q&A form and um, I'm trying to cover as many of these as I can in podcasts because we get some really, really good questions. And more often than not, if you have a question, other people are going to have a similar one. So we'll start off with... Um, 
this question and to be honest with you I don't have the answer to it so uh, but I think it can generate some discussion my question is is it possible to view image search traffic results for competitors images um, and so this person is doing uh, content migration and they want to see what competitors are ranking for and how much traffic they're getting for uh, for image search um, so, I mean, obviously, if they're competitors, you're not going to have access to their search console and Google Analytics and whatnot. And as far as I know, I don't know that any of the major tools actually estimates uh, traffic from search. Um, this person said they uh, experimented with Ahrefs and could not find the answer. Um, I had a, a bit of a look in SEMrush um, and I, you know, I don't think that they specifically talk about search volume coming from image search for competitors, but I feel like there has to be a way to do this. So if you are listening to this and, um, and you have some ideas for me, then please tweet at me. It's Marie underscore Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll tweet about this and we'll, you know, if we get some good answers, we'll put it in the next newsletter. Um, so yeah, sorry, I don't have the actual answer for that for you, but it's a really, really good question. We're really doing a lot of work now with uh, competitive reviews and looking at, you know, oh, this particular competitor seems to have skyrocketed with a recent algorithm update. Um, and we can say, ah, we think it's because they've implemented this and, uh, and that type of thing. You can learn a lot by looking at competitors, um, provided you're not just blindly repeating everything they do. Um, you know, you can, you can learn quite a bit. The last question uh, is a very, very quick one, but it could have a long answer, is what is the best way to learn SEO? There was a really good uh, tweet poll, a Twitter poll by Bill Swalski this week where he asked that question and um, there were some really good answers. You know, he asked, did you learn from forums? Did you learn, where did you learn from? So myself, I... Um, hurt my back and I was on bed rest for uh, I think it was six weeks and I've always wanted to learn how to create a website so we got a laptop at that time and I created this website I did a, a tutorial on about.com uh, created a hello world page I ended up um, downloading some template from some free template site and figuring out how to tweak the HTML uh, and and then I was getting like 30 to 34 people a day to my website and I could not figure out how to get more people. So I started hanging out in SEO forums. And uh, back in the day, uh, the SEO chat forums were really, I would spend hours in this forum every day. Um, and so I was asking questions. And then as I learned more, I was answering questions. And that one website that I was initially getting 30 people a day to, um, at its peak was getting 15,000 visitors a day, uh, which, you know, sadly, it's been neglected, and it doesn't do that anymore. But um, the point is that you I knew nothing uh, about SEO and then learned by being curious. So I would say the absolute best way to learn SEO is to create a website. You don't necessarily have to do the route that I did and learn all of the HTML behind it. I learned HTML, CSS, MySQL, uh, and PHP in order to uh, create my website. Um, you know, I think you can use some of uh, these website builders. WordPress makes, you know, it's very easy to make a website. Um, and then experiment with trying to get more traffic to it and start implementing things and start playing around with optimizing your page. 
when you've done that for a little bit, then go out and talk to friends of yours that have businesses. The one thing I would say, though, is don't go and try to sell SEO services until you've actually had some success. Because we see this all the time. We see people who are very, very good at selling themselves as expert SEOs. Um, and when we look at their homepage of their client site, uh, you know, the title tag on the homepage says home. And unless you're a realtor, and even then that's not uh, the best use of your title tag, it, it's not a good idea, you know. And so there's some very, very basic stuff that you need to get a handle on before you start charging money for clients for doing this. My philosophy has always been, um, you know, not to charge money for something unless we feel like we are really good at doing this. Um, and then when we're really good at doing it, you know, you can start charging a little bit more because you know that you have good success. Um, and then you have you know, client testimonials to, to back you up with that. So, um, you know, I think forums are a good way to learn, uh, but keep in mind with forums that anybody can answer. And just because a lot of people believe something is true doesn't necessarily mean that it is true. Uh, and then the next thing I would advise is to do lots of testing. We're just getting back to this now. We sort of had this period of explosive growth where uh, we were just trying to survive and keep up with our waiting list. And now we're actually starting to do a few more tests. I've got a test running right now about uh, um, involving robots.txt file. And we have a couple of other ones as well. So if you're trying to decide, you know, like, can I win a featured snippet by doing what Marie Haynes said and making, you know, putting keywords in my H tags and writing a descriptive sentence underneath? Um, try it out. Try it out on just certain pages and see if you win the featured snippets for those. Uh, so I think learning SEO is a lot about experimentation. And don't be afraid to do that. I'd also say don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I mean, I asked some dumb questions in SEO forums. I'm actually in my MozCon talk. I think I'm going to be uh, looking at some of these dumb questions and talking about how I had zero EAT for SEO uh, back then. But through learning and um, a number of other things, you can build up EAT. Anyhow, I think that's enough babbling on for this episode. I really, really appreciate that uh, you are uh, a listener to the podcast. I, I get so much great feedback. So thank you for that. If there's anything that you feel that we could add to this or that you feel is um, more or less valuable, feel free to tweet at me, me Marie underscore Haynes. And um, um, yeah, and I think uh, that's about all that we're going to do here. So have a fantastic week and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm -hmm.